Well, good morning. All right. We want to try to get you warmed up really well with this first song. Now, listen, I know we're Baptists, and sometimes we're afraid to clap our hands. But this song, it's okay. And I hope you'll feel the spirit enough that you want to clap along with us. I hope you're going to celebrate with us because we are the blood-bought church. So let's celebrate together. All right, Far, you're going to help me out here. Well, they shall lift up their voice, they shall sing for joy. They shall cry aloud and be free. They shall glorify the name of the Lord. It's the blood of the church, the redeemed. Oh, pick up your hearts, O Zion of the Lord. Let the earth ring forth with this to blow every created being fold your wings for there's a new song being sung for the new melody it's the blood of the church the redeemed and we are in that army of the lord we've been washed in the blood and we are going forth there is nothing that can stop this mighty moving force with a shout a praise a two-edged sword. Every stronghold of bondage must fall beneath our feet. Every prisoner held can to us be free. But our deliverance has come through the power of the Son. It's the blood of the church, the redeemed. The Let's go. And we are in that army of the Lord. We've been washed in the blood. And we are going forth. There is nothing that can stop this mighty moving forward with a shout of praise unto every soul. Every stronghold of bondage must fall beneath our feet. Every prisoner held captive must be free. For our deliverance has come through the power of the Son. It's the blood of the church, the redeemed. The redeemed. The redeemed. Amen. Choir. Praise the Lord. Good morning, Bryansburg. And welcome once again to our 2000. 2000-
We are the blood-bought church, and he gives us our joy. He keeps us singing. Would you stand with me as we sing these songs together? He keeps me singing. There's within my heart a melody. Jesus whispers sweet and low. And I am with thee, peace be still. And I love my ebb and flow. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. Fills my every longing. Keeps me singing as I go. Feasting on the riches of his grace. Resting neath the sheltering wing. Always looking on his smiling face. That is why I shout and sing. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. Fills my every longing. He keeps me singing as I go. Soon he's coming back to welcome me. Far beyond the starry sky, I shall wake my flight to worlds unknown. I shall wake with him on high. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing. He keeps me singing as I go, and he's our all in you are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I see. You are my all in all. Seeking you as a precious truth, Lord, to give up I be a fool. You are my all in all.
You may be seated. Choir, if you go down, please. We are so excited this morning to have Dr. Todd Gray with us. He is the Executive Director Treasurer of your Kentucky Baptist Convention. And he, along with our uh, staff there at the uh, KBC, they serve all of the churches from Paducah to Pikeville. And I was talking to Dr. Gray this morning, and I said, I guess you drove a little while this morning. He said, well, that's every Sunday. And that is true. It's a pretty big state when you're trying to cover from one side to the other. But we are so excited to have him here. Uh, I, I began uh, to know Dr. Gray as our uh, church, a West Kentucky uh, church consultant here, and uh, just a, a wonderful, uh, just blessing to us pastors here in the western part of the state, and then he became the team leader of the evangelism team at the KBC, and then uh, he is now the executive director, and we're so thankful to have him with us to bring God's word this morning, and uh, so thankful for uh, just what a faithful preacher of the gospel, minister of the gospel that he is, and I know It'll be a blessing for you to hear from him this morning after the Liberty Boys come and, and sing a couple more songs for us. But this morning, uh, as we begin this time of worship together, we want to give you an opportunity to spend some time in prayer as well. And I know that many of us, as we've already said today, uh, this week, this couple of weeks has been a difficult time in the life of our church. We've had a lot of folks that have been sick. We've had a lot of folks that have had uh, tragedies strike their families. And then as individuals, just difficult stuff has been going on. And it'd be easy for us to be distracted this morning. And so let's just take some time. We're going to have an opportunity to come to this altar and lay some things down and, uh, and just leave them here and let the Lord deal with those issues that are upon our hearts because only He can. The burdens of this life are too heavy for us and He never meant for us to try to carry them. So let's hand them over to Him. Maybe you're there at home. Make that couch, that chair, that rocker, that recliner, make that an altar right there. Let's spend some time in prayer together. So with every head bowed and with all eyes closed this morning, any need that may be on your heart, the altar is open at this time. Let's come. Let's spend time together in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we come to you this morning, we thank you that you're a God who knows all of our pains and all of our hurts. And Lord, that you're the God who is bigger than all the situations and trials of this life, Lord. You're bigger. Lord, when we place those in front of you, Lord, sometimes we, we get the idea that they're bigger than you. But Lord, we recognize that you are so much bigger. 
Lord, that you can overcome anything that we may be facing. And so, Lord, help us to not see the issues and the problems, but help us to see who you are. And in light of that, to recognize that we can trust you. And Lord, this morning as we come, Lord, we know that we have many families who are hurting. Home going of loved ones, health situations that are out of our control. Lord, relationships that are broken. Financial difficulties, Lord, we we give all of these over to you. Lord, we ask for you to bring healing, for you to bring comfort. Lord, for you to bring reconciliation. But most importantly, Lord, this morning we pray for the lost. We pray for those who may not yet know you as Savior and Lord, who may even be here right in these pews this morning or watching on television or on Facebook Live. Lord, we pray that they today would hear the gospel proclaimed. They might recognize their sin and their need for a relationship with you and that they might experience salvation and life for the very first time today. Lord, this time is yours. Be with the Liberty Boys, be with Dr. Gray. Lord, help us to hear from you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Those guys do a good job, don't they? Amen. Wow, praise the Lord. Well, good morning, Bryansburg Baptist. Good, morning. good to see you all. Hey, I, I love your pastor. I know y'all love him too. Would you tell your pastor and his family you love them and thank the Lord for them? You have one of the very best young pastors and pastor family anywhere in the state of Kentucky and probably far beyond that. And I appreciate Brother Brad and his ministry and leadership here. I know you all do as well. We appreciate your church. Thank you for being a great congregation. It's good to be back with you. I was here about two years ago when Brother Rockney just got started. I think maybe first or second Sunday. Brad was on a mission trip or somewhere and you let me come and, and preach. I'm grateful for that. Grateful to be back. My name is Todd Gray. As Brad said, I work with Kentucky Baptist Convention. Listen to him go over the different jobs I've had with KBC. It sounds like I can't hold down a job and they're trying to find something I can do and stick with it for a while. And but I appreciate getting to serve you. Thank you for your church and getting to be cooperative partners together in ministry and missions. Thank you for your church's cooperative program giving. You fund ministry and missions not only right here in your area, but literally around the world. You're caring for more than 3,700 missionaries, six seminaries who are training leaders for a lifetime of ministry. But you also fund Sunrise Children's Services. And I want to personally say thank you to your church for how you supported Sunrise through a challenging time. They're in a good place right now and moving forward in their ministry. If you're not familiar with Sunrise, they provide care, residential and foster care for children who've had some of the worst things humanly imaginable happen to them, in many cases at the hands of their own family members. And through your ministry, cooperative program ministry to Sunrise, you're helping children be delivered from a place of literal danger to a place of safety where they can be cared for and have a real shot at a real life. And in many cases, hear the gospel and follow Christ. You're doing that work through the cooperative program, and I just want to say thank you for it. Go ahead and find Philippians 4 in your Bible, if you would, please. Philippians chapter 4. I want to speak to you on the subject of a homecoming reminder. How many of you all love homecomings? You appreciate them, thankful for them. You love your church. You're glad to either be here every Sunday or be back here if you're visiting. How many of you all miss homecoming meals? Raise your hand good and high if you miss homecoming meals. I appreciate what the Liberty Boys said about that, about that, <clears throat> about that meal. I love homecomings. been going to them all my life since I was a little bitty boy. My mother's church, she grew up at Blue Spring, Caldwell, uh, Blue Spring Baptist in the line of uh, Caldwell, Trigg County line over uh, east of here a little bit. And every year, homecoming, we would leave the church where we were members, uh, Blue Spr or, uh, Bethany Baptist and Confederate, we'd go to the homecoming at, at Blue Spring. And I just loved it as a little boy. I have a lot of vivid memories about it. It was always packed house at that time when it was a real big deal for folks to come or come back. There was always a quartet that were singing. They always looked nice, like the Liberty Boys always sing great and were prepared, and that was a lot of fun. But what stood out to me most was we had about, they probably had four rubber tire wagons filled with food lined up end to end to end, and one of those wagons was completely covered in cake and pies. Can you imagine? The biggest thing about all of it, this is just what blew me away as a little boy, they had a, a vat, y'all are country people, they had a vat that it probably used for scalding hogs at some point at a hog killing, but it was cleaned up and, and you know, 
as sanitized as it could be, but they had that thing filled up with every kind of canned or bottled soda pop that you could imagine, filled up with ice, and that just blew me away as a little boy. I mean, you can get as many as you wanted, and nobody minded. And that doesn't mean anything to anybody that's younger, but I grew up in a generation where we'd take a 16-ounce bottle of Coke and split it three ways between me and my brother and sister. We had all the Coke and Orange Crush and Knee High and whatever we wanted. It was incredible. My least favorite homecoming at that church was I was about 12 years old and had an awkward kind of growth stage where my arms and legs were growing faster than everything else. I was always kind of a pudgy little kid and, and so I had a stomach and, and Sunday morning came along for homecoming and my mother had not got the laundry done that week. She worked a job outside the home and just didn't get it done and, and I just didn't have any clean church clothes to wear. So we had an old barrel in the basement full of clothes that my brother had outgrown and I was to go through that barrel and find something to wear to church that morning. Everything in there smelled kind of musty. And I found a pant, a pair of pants that were navy blue polyester. Problem was, they were probably two or three sizes too small. So when I pulled them together here, everything here came up. And I probably created the muffin top. And they were supposed to go down to my feet. They probably came up somewhere high above my ankles. My brother and sister said it looked like I was wearing Jack LaLanne exercise pants. If y'all don't know who Jack LaLanne is, you can do a Google search during my sermon and you'll bust out laughing when you see him in his polyester exercise clothing. Philippians, the book of, is kind of a homecoming book. The Apostle Paul started this church. He's the founder of the Philippian church and he's writing a letter to this congregation and in doing so, he says some things that are reminders to you and I. I want to speak to you from Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, a homecoming message, three simple Reminder. So let me read this text to you and we'll look at it together. Would you mind standing if you're able in honor of reading God's Word? We probably don't have to stand every time the Bible's read, but occasionally it's nice to remember that this book is unlike any other book and the things in here are different than anything else that's written anywhere else. Philippians 4 verse 1, the Bible says, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech you, Odious, and beseech Syntyche, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fella, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. And let's pray together. Father God, thank you for Bryansburg Baptist Church. Thank you back in December of 1932, it was your idea. And the people got together, dear Lord, and started a church. Uh, right here in this community, to reach this community with the gospel. And we thank you that in 2021, the ministry of this church is still moving forward. We're thankful for their pastor, for their staff, their deacons, their Sunday school teachers, those who labor here faithfully and pray for the well-being of this church. And Father God, I pray you'd use this message to strengthen this body of believers, to encourage them, and to keep pointing them forward for the good work that you have for them, Lord Jesus, until you return or until you call us home. And we pray this together in, in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Homecoming reminder. Three simple truths. Very simply, I hope very clearly, and I also hope very quickly. Here's the first one. Three things to remember. Number one, remember your church's potential. Remember your church's potential. Listen to verse one once again. 
Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for. Remember your church's potential. Anybody ever tell you when you were younger or maybe even not so young that you had potential? Anybody ever said that to you? Raise your hand. Brad has. Several of you have. When I was a kid, I used to, people used to tell me that I had potential. I was always kind of tall and folks would say, Todd, you play basketball? And I'd say, nope. And they said, well, you ought to. You've got potential. You're tall, you know. And, and then I got a little older and got involved in FFA in high school. My ag teacher, Mr. Ray Fowler, said, Todd, you thought about running for office leadership in FFA and, and I'd said nope and he said well you ought to you've got potential as a leader and started preaching and I'd preach in some places and folks would come along and they'd say to me they'd say Todd you've got potential as a preacher in fact occasionally somebody will hear me speak they'll think I have a decent voice and they'll say do you ever sing and, and I'll laugh and say no they say well you've got potential as a singer and I will say you've never heard me sing if you had you wouldn't have said that I had a song leader one time that thought I had potential and, and he decided he was going to teach me to sing and I decided he didn't have enough potential to teach me to sing. When you hear all that potential, you can start to feel good about yourself and I probably did until somebody told me what potential means. You know what it means? It means you hadn't done anything yet, but you have potential. Well, when a church has potential, this church not only has potential for the future, but God's done some things through this church. This church not only has potential, it also has a past. Paul is showing the Philippian church, reminding them of some things that are true about them and also true about this congregation of believers. Notice the potential of this church. First off, it has potential for reaching. Paul says, therefore, my brethren. Now, when he says brethren, he doesn't mean his kinfolks. He's not referring to a, a physical brother uh, when he says to them that word, my brethren. He's talking about blood-bought followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. People who had very little in common apart from hearing the gospel and responding to it by faith and being born again into God's family. When Paul says brethren, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he's possibly remembering some people who are members of that church. He may have thought about Lydia. In Acts 16, you read the story of Lydia. And there Lydia is gathered with some ladies down by the riverside for a prayer meeting. Paul comes along and preaches the gospel. And the Bible says God opened Lydia's heart to receive the things that were spoken spoken by Paul. Lydia got saved and at that point became a brother or sister of the Apostle Paul. He may have remembered the demon-possessed slave girl who was antagonizing him as he went through the city trying to preach. Paul cast the demon out of her and she got saved. He was then thrown in prison and in prison Paul and Silas were singing hymns and praising God and the Philippian jailer got under conviction and he got saved and his household. And these are brothers that Paul had received and sisters in Christ, the church has potential for reaching people who are far from God, who are lost, who wouldn't have anything in common apart from the fact that Jesus Christ became more to them than just a name. Church has potential for reaching. It also has potential for relationships. He refers to these saints as my brethren, dearly belonged, uh, beloved and longed for my joy and crown. Not only potential for reaching, but potential for relationships. Followers of Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, I don't know if you're a member of this church, if you're guests here, if you're a member, I'd say this is probably true about you. You've probably built some relationships here that'll be with you for the rest of your life. You've gotten close to some people, some folks in Sunday school, some folks who've walked with you through some challenging times, and we all have challenging times. Liberty Boys reminded us of that this morning. We all have difficulties. And in a local church, you can build some relationships that will stick with you forever and ever. 
I saw a picture this morning on Facebook of two families that I know, uh, Pat Daniel and his wife LaDonna, John Davidson, his wife Beth, and they had met each other at First Baptist Church, Oak Grove. I was the pastor there. Both of them joined that church while I was there. Pat was a major, uh, worked with General Petraeus and Operation Central Command in Afghanistan. John also was a, a, probably a lieutenant colonel in the Army while his, at his time there. And they met at Fort Campbell in that church. And here they were together. Some, now, one of them lives in Arkansas. The other one lives in Huntsville, Alabama. But here they were together on Facebook somewhere. And one of them commented on the value of forever friends. And that's what can happen in a local church. You meet some people that you'll share life with forever and ever and then share heaven with forever and ever and ever. It's potential for relationships. Also, the church has potential for remaining. Paul says, so stand fast in the Lord, my beloved. Everything else might fall apart. But the local church, because of the power of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, the ministry of the saints has potential to keep going and to carry on. Well, this church not only has great potential, but it also has a great past. Let me take a survey with you all. How many of you all were saved through the ministry of this church? Raise your hand good and high. You were saved at Bridesburg Baptist. How many of you were baptized here as well? You were also baptized or you were baptized in this church. Lots of you have been reached through this church. How many of you all were married in this church? Raise your hand if you got married right here. Wow, look at that. How many, how many of you all have tried to raise a family in this church? Raise your hand if you've tried to raise a family right here. Listen, how many of you all have said goodbye to a loved one who was connected to this church? They, they love this church and you did too. That's just a local church right there. This church has incredible potential and also incredible past. Here's some things about yourself that you may not know. Between 1980 and 2020, this church baptized 551 people during that 40-year period. Now, I realize your history goes back to 1932, but we don't have digitized records back to that time. But in that 40-year period, you all baptized 551 people. You also received an additional 512 people through transfer of letter or statement of faith. More than 1,000 people have become part of this church in the last 40 years. Between 1934 and 2020, this church sent 4 million $416,320.54 to fund global ministry and missions through the cooperative program literally around the world. Now, I don't know what you think about that, but I think that's pretty incredible. Amen? Can we just rejoice over the goodness of God? Hey, listen, those realities speak to the faithfulness of God but also the faithfulness of his people. A church will not reach 1,000 people in a 40-year period of time and send more than $4 million since 1934 unless the people of God, members of that church, have taken seriously the things of God and surrendered their life to the will of God and want to be used by God to carry out the purposes of the Lord until Jesus Christ returns. So I just want to say to you, good job, Bridesburg Baptist Church. You not only have potential for a great future, but you have a great past that's already behind you. Here's the second reminder. Not only remember church potential, but also remember church problems. Now, when I say remember church problems, I'm not asking you to dredge up something from the past that's back there somewhere at some previous day. I'm asking you to remember that churches have problems. Amen? Churches have problems. They just do. Families have problems. People have problems. And because people are part of a church, churches have problems. Notice in verse 2, Paul says, I beseech you, Odius, and beseech Syntyche, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. 
How many of y'all know there's no perfect church? Raise your hand, good and high. There's no perfect church. Anybody in here ever work with concrete? Any of you all ever do, do any kind of work with concrete? I'm trying to help Brad get his driveway poured. He needs a good concrete man to come in and, and, and help him. If you've ever worked with concrete, you know this is true. There's two kinds of concrete, whether it's a slab or a driveway or a foundation of a house. There's concrete that's cracked and concrete that's going to crack. It's just all there is to it. There's two kinds of churches, churches that have problems or churches that are going to have problems. That's just all there is to it. There's no perfect church. If it was perfect, it'd stop being perfect the day that you and I joined it because we are imperfect people and we bring our problems and our mindsets with us into the family of God. You may have heard about the old man always looking for a perfect church. He joined every church in town, every church in his community. As soon as he discovered their problems, he'd leave and go somewhere else. Somebody said he finally found a perfect church, only has two members, he and his wife, but he's starting to have some problems out of her. <laughs> There's no perfect church. Churches have problems. Remember your church's problems. Look at verse 2. The problem with the Philippian church is stated. Paul says, I beseech you, Otis, and beseech Syntyche, two ladies who were apparently leaders, influential women in this church, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. The problem with these two ladies was that they were not of the same mind. They were divided with each other. And it sounds like their division was causing problems in the larger body of Christ. Their problem was not only stated, but it was also serious. It was serious enough that the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was led of God to write this letter and include the names of these two ladies in the Word of God that's going to last forever and ever and ever. This was a serious issue. God takes unity in His church seriously. Amen, church? And if you've been part of a church for a while, you understand the importance of unity in a church. The psalmist spoke truth when he said, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. The psalmist identified it's a good thing when the people of God are together and on the same page. Our Lord Jesus prayed in John 17 verse 21. He prayed for the unity of the people of God. And the outpouring of that unity would be convictional to those who do not yet know Jesus Christ that Christ is the one who God has sent. Our unity really is a big deal and really does make a difference. And churches sometimes have problems over division and Paul gives the solution. I beseech you Odious and beseech Syntyche to do what? That they be of the same mind in the Lord. I love it that Paul didn't single out you Odious and say you Odious you're the problem here you just need to work it out. He didn't single out the other lady uh, Syntyche and say you're the problem you just need to work it out. He told both those ladies you need to work it out. You need to get this resolved. You know what gets churches in trouble? It's usually not big things. In most Baptist churches, 2,360 of them in Kentucky, when there's a strife going on in a local congregation, and there is somewhere at all times, it seldom has to do with a major doctrinal error. It's usually not over something as important as justification by faith or the Trinity or Jesus Christ as God who became man or salvation by Christ alone through faith alone by grace alone. It's usually nothing um, as serious as that. It's usually over some minor issues. We just don't see eye to eye on everything, do we? I mean, we, we really don't. I, I, can, I can prove it to you that we don't. Uh, sometimes we disagree over music. You know, some folks at church will say, well, I love the old songs. And somebody else will say, well, I like the newer songs. And we just don't always see eye to eye on, on music. Sometimes it's dress code, you know. Uh, some men uh, think everybody ought to wear a suit and tie. And some men like wearing their Levi's to church. And it's just sometimes we disagree over something as simple as dress. Sometimes we disagree over holidays. Some folks think that Halloween is the devil's day. And some folks think it's a good place to get free candy for your little kids, you know. And save some money on your Walmart bill. 
We don't all agree on Bible translations all the time. Some folks love King James. Some folks love other ones. We don't, we don't all agree on politics, you know. We just don't all see eye to eye. I can tell you in here, we probably don't disagree. How many University of Kentucky basketball fans are there in here? Raise your hand good and high. How many U of L fans are there in here? Well, we're mostly in agreement on that one. It looks like for the most... I can tell you here where I know we don't I know we do disagree. We disagree on the setting of the thermostat in the church sanctuary on Sunday morning. Amen. I guarantee you, if you set it right for me, it won't be right for any of you all. Y'all will freeze to death while I'm preaching. And those folks who are cold in church, they'll let everybody in the world know they're cold. They've got their prayer shawl wrapped around them and they're freezing up like this. I was preaching revival to church over in Christian County a few years back and and it was this time of year probably, and, and they had kind of stained glass window. Y'all have covered yours up, Brother Brad. And, and the sun was setting, and I was sitting right over here on this pew in the corner, and the sun was just shining right in there on me. It's like I was a bug in a, in a magnifying glass, and sweat was just pouring off of me. And I sweat anyway, but the church service hadn't even started yet. And this was back when we had the meet and greet times. Y'all remember those? And so we all got up and went to shake hands. So I thought, I'm going to go look at the thermostat. And I went over and looked at it. It was 83 degrees in that church building. I went and found a pastor. I said, Pastor, it is 83 degrees in here. He said, man, I've been about to freeze to death all week long. I'm thinking, if you don't get off that blood thinner, you're not going to make it through the night. <laughs> we do not see eye to eye on the thermostat in a local church. But that doesn't matter. It doesn't make a hill of beans different. You know what does matter? It matters when you and I turn mountains into uh, molehills into mountains. It matters when we take a preference and turn it into a priority. It matters when you and I have something that's our favorite, and we decide that ought to be everybody's favorite. And if it's not everybody's favorite, then I'm not going to be happy in my church. Listen, the Lord Jesus Christ calls us to get along for his glory. Amen. We can put some preferences. There are some hills that we should die on, but there's a whole lot that we shouldn't die on as well. Remember your church's potential. Remember your church may someday have some problems and what to do when those problems come. Here's the third reminder I want to give you. Remember your church's purpose. Look at verse 3. Paul says, And I entreat thee also, true yoke fella, help those women which labored with me in the gospel. Your church has a purpose. I was in a Starbucks coffee shop back a few years back, and it was a Saturday morning. We were living over in Hopkinsville at the time. And when I went in, the place was just full. There was one empty chair that was there in the coffee shop. And I went and got my coffee and came and sat down in that chair. There were a group of women kind of back behind me, not too far. And I wasn't trying to overhear their conversation, but they were loud enough in their talking that I couldn't help but overhear them and, and realize these ladies were working together on a project or an enterprise or an endeavor with which they were trying to penetrate and saturate Hopkinsville and Christian County. And they were talking about it. They were training. They were preparing. They were planning. They were even doing conflict resolution. One of the ladies spoke up, and I clearly heard her. And she said, you know, I just don't like so-and-so. And she called her by name. She wasn't in the meeting that day, but she called her by name. She said, I just don't like her. She said, we just rub each other the wrong way. Something about our personalities. We just don't get along. And she said, but I care more about what we're trying to do together then I care about my dislike of her, so I'll work with her even though I don't necessarily like her. And I thought, well, that's pretty mature. Guess what they were trying to penetrate and saturate Hopkinsville and Christian County with? Avon. Avon. <laughs> Avon. I'm not kidding you. It's Avon. <laughs> now, that's fine. I mean, nothing wrong with Avon. <laughs> Many of us could use some beauty product and skin care, hand lotion, probably got some good hand cleaner available. Nothing wrong with that. But I left that morning 
with this conviction. These ladies are more concerned without, about getting Avon into Hopkinsville and Christian County than many of our churches are about getting the gospel of Jesus Christ into their own neighborhoods. They were working together to get this job done. Hey, listen, if nothing else, man, I've come to remind you of what your pastor says, what your deacon says, what the Bible says every time you read it. This church has a purpose. And this church was started in 1932. I don't have the founding documents in front of me, but I don't need them. I've read enough of them to know this. When this church was started, this church began to reach the people of this community. In fact, somebody somewhere said there ought to be a church right over there. Right now, there's no church in that community. And right now, there are men and women and boys and girls who are dying and go to hell because there's no church aggressively and earnestly and prayerfully reaching out to them. We need a church right there on that spot. I've been part of a church that did that, did that very thing. I pastored over at New Hope Baptist Church in Trigg County. We had two little boys that lived kind of in a mobile home community. And I'm smiling because these little boys were just rough as a cob, man. I mean, they, they were going to break whatever they got a hold of. If wherever they were was going to be trouble. And we drove probably 20, 25 minutes every Sunday morning to go pick them up and bring them to New Hope Baptist Church. And we thought there needs to be a church right here in this community. Not just so we didn't have to clean up after them, but because that community didn't have a church. And man, we got to praying about that, and the association got involved. And last week, I talked to Pastor Norman Cotton, who's a cousin of mine, and he's pastoring Ponderosa Baptist Church, one of the strongest churches in Trigg County, that started because of that burden that New Hope Baptist got that that church needs a church, or that community needs a church. Some folks decided in 1932. We need a church right here in this community, and we need it so we can reach lost people with the gospel. Man, I'm just going to remind you of your purpose. God put you here to be a gospel witness right here in this part of Marshall County to reach folks with the gospel. Paul's reminding them of their purpose. No, notice how he does it. The purpose is clearly stated in verse 3. He says, and I entreat thee also, so I entreat, I'm speaking to you, I exhort you, true yoke fellow, that's possibly Epaphroditus. He said, help those women. Paul was calling this man to get involved in helping these two women with their conflict. And notice this, he says, these two women, which those women which labored with me in the gospel. You hear what Paul's saying? He's saying that Euodius and Syntyche had been part of a gospel work. They were praying for lost souls, probably. They were probably sharing the faith and reaching out. They may have been giving financially to support Paul's work as a missionary. But notice something specific about what he said. He said, he didn't say which labor with me, uh, L-A-B-O-U-R. He said, which labored with me. They used to labor with Paul. They used to pray for lost people. They used to get excited about winning souls. They used to want to give money to missions. They used to want to do the things that were connected to the mission of the Lord Jesus Christ. But when they got sideways with each other, they got sidetracked from the mission of the Lord Jesus Christ. When they got in conflict with each other, they lost their conviction about lost folks needing the gospel. And church, I just want to love say if we're fighting we're not fishing amen when we're sideways with each other we lose our concern for lost folks can I just say something to you as lovingly as I know how I'm not always as burdened for lost people as I ought to be and when I realize that I don't have burden and concern for people who are going to die and go to hell and that's where lost folks are going to go if they die without Jesus that when I'm not praying earnestly for them and when I'm not looking for opportunities I realize that's a spiritual indicator. That's like a flashing red light 
on the dashboard of your car. That's the Holy Spirit saying, something's not right with you. Something's not right. If I don't care about lost people, I've lost connection with the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Jesus cared about lost people. Aren't you glad he cared about you? Aren't you glad that Jesus sent a witness to you? A mother, father, maybe it was a preacher. Could have been a Sunday school teacher, maybe a co-worker. But aren't you glad the gospel of Christ came to you? And that's the purpose of the church. Paul's encouraging his yoke fellow to help these two women get back on track. I want to share three numbers with you, and I'll tell you what they mean, and I'm going to begin to close. First number is 31,448. Second number is 24%. And the third number is 23,902. Here's what those numbers represent. 31,448 is the 2010 census population of Marshall County, Kentucky. 31,448 people. 24% is the percentage of that population that at that time, according to Glen Mary Research, who does their research based on church attendance records, 24% is the percentage of that population that attends some church somewhere on Sunday morning. 23,902 is the number of people in, Mar in Marshall County, Kentucky that sit in China. It's not Los Angeles. It's not San Francisco. It's Marshall County, Kentucky. 23,902 people at that time are not in any church anywhere on Sunday morning. I don't know exactly how that hits you, but I can tell you how it hits me. It makes me think probably about 24,000 people in this county are lost and on their way to hell. They need a church just like this one who will love them enough. Pray for them. Hit that altar. Pray for them. Go out when you do your gospel to every home. Good job, by the way, on how you have worked to saturate your community with the gospel. Welcome folks in when they come. Share Jesus with them the best way that you know how. And God will keep using this church to reach lost folks with the gospel. Three encouragers, three reminders on the homecoming message. Remember your potential. It's incredible. Remember problems are probably going to happen. You're going to deal with them and move forward. But remember your purpose. Why the Lord put you here. Could I share a, a third and four, or fourth and final reminder very, very quickly? There's another homecoming that is in front of us. Not one like we're having here. There's going to be a meal there as well. But it's a forever homecoming. Psalm 116, verse 15 says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. When I think about that verse, I notice two or three things. The first thing I notice is the people that verse references, his saints. Those are born-again people, people who've been saved by grace through faith. That's, that's you and I this morning. We may not act like saints every day, but that's what God calls us if we're saved and if we've been born again. The second thing I've noticed is that pronouncement, precious, is the death of his saints. And that just feels odd to me. But the third thing I notice is the unique perspective of God. Precious in the sight of God is the death of his saints. I've been to a lot of funerals. I've preached a lot of funerals. Uh, when my mother died, she was 54 years old. And in our family, there was nothing precious about her passing. My brother passed away at age 39. It wasn't a precious time. It didn't feel like a precious time. I was a little boy when my grandfather had a heart attack. We were all playing softball out in our front yard. We probably had 20, 20 boys out there playing. First ambulance I'd ever seen came up close, pulled into our rural farm community and, and picked him up and took him to the hospital. And I prayed all night that God would spare him, and, and he didn't. And my grandfather died, and nothing felt precious about that. I was away from home and got a call when I was pastoring Brother Brad about a little baby in our church that had passed away suddenly and just unexpected, probably 12-month-old, 15-month-old little baby. Nothing felt precious 
about that time. But that's my perspective. This is God's perspective. For us, when death comes, we see a departure. But God sees a homecoming. God sees people that he loves coming home. Coming home forever and ever and ever. Are you going to be part of that homecoming when it comes? There was a family I got to minister with for many years, the Stallins family over in Trigg County. Mr. James Stallins was the patriarch of that family. His wife was Miss Zelma. They had several children. Jimmy Stallins was a close friend to me. He was a deacon at two churches where I served. And I went to several funerals. Went to Mr. James's funeral, probably went to Miss Zelma's, and preached Jimmy's funeral. And this family did something I'd never seen anybody do before or since. They had the funeral, had the graveside, and when the folks had left the graveside, the immediate family would linger back and they would hold each other's hands and they would sing that song, Will the Circle Be Unbroken? You've heard that song, haven't you? They'd sing that song, Will the Circle Be Unbroken? they just all sing it. They all knew it and they would just all sing it a cappella. And the reason they were doing that was that they were communicating something to the younger members of their family. They were saying, we know where this one is. We know where Mr. James is. We know where Miss Zelma is. We know that Jimmy is at home with the Lord Jesus Christ because Jimmy was born again and he saved and his life gave evidence that he in fact was a Christian. But we want to make sure you're part of that family as well. Will the circle be unbroken? That's the eternal homecoming that we have out in front of us. Are you part of that homecoming that is to come? If you are, you have reason to rejoice this morning. Amen, church? If not, I want to say something to you just very, very simply and very clearly. First thing I want to say is God loves you. Would you nod your head up and down if you believe God loves you? No matter who you are, what you've done, God loves you. The Bible says God so loved the world. You can put your name in there because God loves you. But the second thing is our sin separates us from God, and we've all sinned, every one of us. The third thing is sin is like a cancer that will not be removed by good deeds that we do or churches that we join or baptisms that we undergo. But paying the price for our sin, Jesus Christ, the Savior, the Son of God, lived a sinless life, died for us in our place as our substitute on the cross. He was buried and rose again. Jesus gave this invitation. He said the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Repent is an honest confession that I'm going the wrong way. To believe the gospel means you put all your faith and trust in Jesus. And the Bible teaches, and we know by experience, life begins the moment that you turn from sin and put your faith and trust in Christ. If you're a Christian, you have reason to rejoice. You're part of this church. You're part of a great church. But if you're not yet saved, would you today, right here, this very moment, put your faith and trust in Christ? Let's pray together. We're going to have an invitation song. Father God, thank you for your grace and mercy. Lord, thank you for Bronsburg Baptist Church. But Lord, today we thank you for Jesus, and we thank you for the gospel. And we thank you, Lord, that on this day we remember not just this church and its homecoming, but we remember an eternal homecoming that's out in front of us. Father God, if there are any among us this morning, either viewing on the, on the, on the television show or on, the, on Facebook Live, live stream, or right here in this room, if there are any among us who have not yet trusted Christ, then I pray right now, we pray together right now, that you'd do what you did for Lydia, that you'd open their heart to receive the things that have been said this morning. Heads bowed and eyes are closed. I'm going to ask just for a moment. No one's looking around. I'm looking. You're here this morning and... You're, in fact, let me ask it this way. If you're saved and you know you're saved, would you just raise your hand good and high and hold it up just for a minute? If you're saved and you know you're saved, amen, you can put your hand back down. Now, some of you didn't or couldn't or wouldn't raise your hand, whatever, whatever reason it might be that you, you, you just don't want to. It might be that you're not yet saved, that you've never trusted Christ, or it might be that you're just not sure. I want to speak to you just for a moment. 
you can be saved. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a promise from God. Whoever means you. Call upon means to trust in faith in Jesus. And the promise is if you'll turn to Jesus right now, sir, ma'am, little boy, little girl, if you'll turn to Jesus, he'll save you. Would you turn to him? And would you call upon him, him right where you're sitting? Right now, by faith, would you just call on the name of Jesus? Just call his name, dear Lord Jesus. I, heads bowed and eyes are closed. You just pray from your heart, dear Lord Jesus. I'm not saved, but I want to be. I believe you died for me on the cross, and I'm ready to turn to you and trust you. Lord Jesus, forgive me for all I've done. Come into my life right now. Hear my prayer, Lord, and save me. It's no magic words that save us. We're saved by Jesus. We're saved by faith. We're not saved by praying. We're saved by believing. We're saved by believing. But if you pray this morning and ask Christ to save you, if you're in this room and you've asked Jesus right now, nobody's watching you, I'm watching. Would you do something? Would you just raise your hand up just for a minute, indicating that today you prayed and asked Christ to save you? If you did that today, would you raise your hand just for a moment? Anyone at all? It's okay if there's not anybody, but if there is, we want to celebrate with you. Anyone at all? I'm going to finish my prayer, and we're going to sing an invitation. Father God, thank you for this church, for the movement of your Holy Spirit, what you're doing right now. And we just pray that you'll move during this invitation time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together. We're going to sing an invitation song. And I'm going to ask you to do something during this invitation. I want you to do it, not because I'm asking, but because you believe it's what the Lord would have you to do. And here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to say yes to God's next step you now that won't be the same for every person here but there should be something for everybody here it might be that god's next step for you is to join brinesburg baptist church but you've been visiting here or you've been joining online but you've never made it official and if anybody said well where do you go to church you say well brinesburg's my church but you never officially joined if that describes you while we're singing this song would you just step out from where you are in your pew step out in the aisle walk down front Pastor Brad will tell you what's involved in joining this church. We invite you to come. It might be that for someone, your next step is to say yes to baptism. That you're, you're saved. You've trusted Christ to save you, but you've not been baptized since you've been saved. If that describes you, would you also come this morning and say, I want to be baptized, Pastor Brad, as soon as I'm able, and I'd, I'd like to get baptized in this church. For someone else, it may be that you would say yes to God's calling. The Lord's called you to ministry. You're involved, you're saved, you're serving, you're baptized, but God's leading you that there's something else he has for you. Would you come during the invitation time, tell your pastor you believe God is calling you. There might be someone here this morning that says, I'm not saved, I need to be and I want to be, and I'm not going home until I've received Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. Sir, ma'am, boy, girl, if that's you, would you just come during this invitation? Maybe you just don't even know what all that means, but you know you need to get something settled today. Would you come as we sing the invitation song? Then I'm going to ask several of you if you'd come. I talked about those folks in this county who aren't part of any church anywhere. How many of y'all know somebody that's probably in that number? If you know somebody that's probably lost and far from God, would you just raise your hand? At least half of you, maybe two-thirds. Would several of you do something this morning during this invitation? Would you just come pray for them? Would you just come kneel across the front, sit on these front chairs, stand in this open? It might be your own family that's lost, but would you just come pray? When you finish praying, you can turn around and go right back to your seat. But would you just come pray that God would keep using this church to reach people 
who are far from God. Not just back since 1932, but up until 2032 and, and 2132, if we're here that long, that God would keep using Bronsburg Baptist Church. We'll sing the song, and we invite you to come right now as we sing.